With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Welcome back it was the nightmare before Christmas and then it was sort of the nightmare after Christmas and sort of a whole lot of nightmares and whatnot but uh, Ian what's uh what's something we can what's something we can talk about here with the with what happened against the Raiders in Oakland for the Broncos well as you'll notice I didn't start it off by asking you the question that I've been asking for like a season. Yeah. Many months. But what we can be positive about is the fact that Vance Joseph is on to Cincinnati. (laughs) He's literally, he's literally on to Cincinnati. It's fantastic. It's a good thing. 
literally and figuratively, because after the way he coached on Monday night against the Raiders, I think he is already in Cincinnati. Yeah, like his flight just kept going. I know he had his interview, but maybe they just put the backdrop. I don't know how that works. I was, you know, he had his he had his Wednesday morning presser or Wednesday afternoon presser or whatever it is. So um, just a little little preface here for the show. Uh, Ian's in Rapid City. I am in Urbandale, Iowa. So, um, you know, we're, we're a little out of our comfort zone, a little out of our elements. I, I forgot my mic. So I'm on just headphones and a, I'm on, I'm on the, just some Apple headphones. Ian at least was professional enough to remember his mic, which is nice. Uh, I'm in my nephew's bedroom. Ian is in a wood cabin. So the quality may not be great. Just roll with it, people. The quality will be as up to par as the Broncos have been all season. Especially on Monday. Especially. No, no. We're going to sound better than the Broncos looked on Monday. It could be nothing but static, and we would sound better than the Broncos looked on Monday. And there's probably some who would think, that that would be an upgrade for this podcast there, if that happened. They might be out there, and uh, if you are, why you got to be like that? Don't be such a negative Nelly. Come on, jump in. The water's fine. Have some fun. Um, all right. So yeah, let's, we, we've already done the positivity yeah. at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, we did all the positive stuff because Vance Joseph is leaving. What more do you need? Not for him to coach on Sunday against the Chargers. Yes. That is, you know what? Let's jump into it. So we we know what we're all upset about with the with the Raiders game. I think that I'm not even gonna like you know one big takeaway. Wow, that was awful. Can we please move on? So so there's that. But let let's, I will add. I had two losers as I do the winners and losers yeah. after every game. The first two that I listed were John Elway and Joe Ellis, because they are responsible for for this mess. They are responsible for why the Broncos have fallen as far as they have after Super Bowl 50. They made the hires. They made the decisions. They made this all possible. And what makes it suck even worse is both of these men say that they looked up to and idolized Pat Bolin. And now they have given him something on his owner's resume that is a blight. And it actually kind of pisses me off that he is now the one that will have it on his owner's resume when it's completely and utterly responsible for to Joe Ellis and John Elway. Because for the first time in 46 seasons, the Broncos have had back-to-back losing seasons. That had never happened in Pat Boland's ownership. Can I one-up your stat there? And I, I might get the year wrong on this, but I believe it's the first time since uh, the 67-68 season or 66-67 season, and it was Tim who posted this in Slack, um, with back-to-back 10 or more, you know, 10 losses or more in, in a season. So so not even just losing seasons, but back even further, 10, 10 losses or more in a season back-to-back all the way back to the mid-late 60s, 67-68 is I think what it was. I could be wrong. Maybe Tim can send us an email or something letting us know. Well, that's, that's absolutely correct. And that shows you how bad the Broncos are, that we're now living in a time where we're comparing to the teams of the 60s. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know, uh, I mean, the old man can tell you, your mom could probably could probably speak to it as well. There's several, you know, my dad always says, I mentioned my Uncle Lou. Uncle Lou could tell you, the Broncos of the 60s, they were bad. 
They were bad. They were bad football teams. And that's just the way it was when you're a new team or when you just don't have, you know, you just can't make it work, whatever. And you've spoken to this a lot, Ian. The only reason the Broncos are still in Denver after those horrible seasons was the fact that Floyd Little kept the kept the franchise interesting and important for as long as he did. Uh, and then in the, the 70s and then especially like the mid-late 70s, the Broncos turned it around and became relevant. And then when Pat Bowling took over as owner, you had that incredible run as an owner of winning seasons and um, AFC championships and Super Bowl runs. And it was, it, it was something that really, you're right, what, what the loss to the Raiders does is it puts in jeopardy and it puts in into play a stat that none of us were even talking about, right? I wasn't talking about back-to-back 10 or more losing, you know, 10 or, 10 or more games lost in a season all the way back to 67. No, we were talking about, you know, the 1972 back-to-back losing seasons being the worst thing ever. And here we are already topping that. Thank you, Vance Joseph. And the one positive. Thank, so thank you, John. You remember, Joel, sorry. For the listeners, when we did that, that podcast with Lori about how we can be more positive, here's the positive to take out of that. Yes, the Broncos will probably finish with the first double-digit back-to-back losing season since 1967-66. In 1967, the Broncos finished 3-11. and In 1966, they finished 4-10. and But here's the positivity to take from all of this. They will not match the streak of double-digit consecutive losing seasons in Broncos history. I will guarantee that because the Broncos lost at least 10 games in one, two, three, four, five straight seasons from 1963 until 1967. Ouch. Ouch. That's how bad the Broncos were in the sixties. And I touched on this on a previous podcast when we were talking about the horrible history that Mm -hmm. Vance Joseph was making. The Broncos didn't have their first winning season winning season until 1973. Ouch. That's just, Put it into perspective. Imagine being a fan of a franchise that doesn't have a winning season for how many years is that? If I'm my math is right, is that thirteen? Was it thirteen seasons? That'd be thirteen years. Oof. Ouch. Now they they did have in nineteen sixty-two, the Broncos did go seven and seven. But that's not a winning season. It's not a losing season. But it's that's what makes it new, is because they didn't have a losing season. It was the only time in the franchise's history until 1973 they didn't have a losing season. (laughs) So there's your positivity. As bad as it is right now, it's not going to be as bad as it was in the mid-60s or anywhere in the 60s. See? You see that, Broncos country? Look at us. Ian and I finding the positive in everything. Vance Joseph's going to be gone. He's, as Ian said, on to Cincinnati. Uh, and and we there's no way this team is going to be that bad, that 
historically bad. And I think the key to that is, and this is what should make us all feel better, the reason for some of this historical awfulness is Vance Joseph and his ineptitude as a head coach. And so, bye-bye. You know, I mean, he's he's on his way out, and it's time to uh, get into the the coaching search. Now, I don't know that we should definitely, you know, we should get into the coaching search today. We've got lots of time for that, but I think that and there's uh, a lot of there's a lot of stuff to be to be decided upon because we still don't know who is going to be let go, who is currently coaching. Because the big the big question mark, I think, is I, I I've moved on from John Harbaugh. Because I think the only way the Broncos could potentially get him, I think there's still a possibility they get him, but they'd have to trade for him. Right. I don't think they do that. You're talking about a deal similar to what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had to give up to get John Gruden, and that was in the early 2000s. So I I don't see Elway giving up two first-round picks at the least to get John Harbaugh. No, and, you know, the other thing I would say to that is that the the Bucs at that point were – a lot closer to contending for a Super Bowl, having just gone to what an NFC Championship game and um, still having one of the best defenses in the NFL. Just it didn't work out with Tony Dungy. So I think that, like like you've said, um, John Harbaugh is probably it's not happening, and, and and that's fine. So now you have to find the right combination, and um, and they will do that. And we'll get into the coaches' search, uh, the coaching search later on. I think that we've got plenty of time for that. I don't imagine that the Broncos will bring somebody in the second that they fire Vance Joseph. One name to keep an eye on, and okay. I think it all depends on what happens on Sunday, is Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. Now, I, I get it. The Roonies have only had three head coaches in like 50 years, which is insane. I mean, it it literally is insane that they've had three coaches in like 50 years. But will they move on from Mike Tomlin? I mean, that that's a huge question. And if they do, does Elway go after Mike Tomlin? That's it. So that's, that's just a name. One, yeah, that's a name to keep an eye on, and it makes Sunday interesting because they play the Bengals, and they still have an opportunity to get into the playoffs if they win. Right. Yeah. But if they lose. That changes everything. So that's something to keep an eye on if you're Broncos country come Sunday. Yeah, I agree. That's a good one. That's a that's a good way to pay attention to that. So um, they sucked on Christmas Eve. They've sucked most of the season. Heading into this game against the Los Angeles Chargers to end the year, is there is there anything to play for? And, and I know let's so let's let's go ahead and jump into it because. Let's take out the idea of it's important that they lose because you want to get the better draft position and all that good stuff. I'm fine with that. We can have that discussion. Uh, you, you know where I where I fall on that just because um, I, I just and – I, and I try and look at it rationally, but I'm not going to do that right now. But what is there – is there a reason for the Broncos to win? Like if they beat the Chargers, what happens to the Chargers in the playoffs? We know they're in the playoffs. But what does that do for their for their chances in the playoffs? Well, it it limit it, it it ruins their chance to get a number one seed and win the AFC West. So that's what it would do to the Chargers, right? Because that and that would lock up the Chiefs winning the AFC West and I would say probably a first round bye. Um. Ah. So 
at the very least, I think if you're if you're Broncos country, you want to see the Broncos lose just because that potentially screws the Chiefs. But in terms of this game, there's really nothing to play for. I mean, I, I get it that there's pride, and I get it that it's still a game, and I get it that it's a job. But it's going to be a completely different team. It's going to be a completely different coaching staff. So all of that, I, I, I don't buy into that, well, you want to go into 2019 on a good note. Why? It's going to be a completely different team, and you're going to have completely different coaches. What they did in 2018 is not going to matter. The people who are playing for jobs are going to have their job. The free agents who know they're not going to be back know they're not going to be back. I don't think anything is going to change one way or another if the Broncos win or lose this game. This is It may make them feel better in the moment, right? but it's not going to have any kind of impact on 2019. Sure. I mean, it's pretty simple. We'll all get caught up in the moment. We'll root for our team, and, and then at the end we'll look back and go, oh, that shouldn't have happened, or I'm glad that did happen, or or whatever. But this is essentially a glorified uh, fourth preseason game, right? That is that the way to say that? Or fifth preseason game. Or fifth, you know what I mean. But what I meant was it's the fourth preseason game, but it's glorified because it's actually a regular season game. It counts. It just doesn't count. What makes it interesting is the fact that the the NFL flexed the Chiefs and the Raiders to the same time slot, so both of those games will be played at the same time on Sunday. So two mountain time is when both games will will kick off sure the injury what will be there. what will be most intriguing to me about this game is going to happen right up until kickoff and that's how many empty seats are going to be at mile high stadium yeah that's that is certainly something to look and you say that and it reminds me of when we did our interview of brant tobler um a few months back brant tobler comedian funny guy uh, big shout out to him because he was great to have on the show. And he actually talked about being given the opportunity to get free tickets to go see the Broncos play the Chiefs on New Year's Eve last year. And he turned them down. And he said, why, why would I have wanted to go see that? Like, I just go sit in the cold and be angry for a few hours. It just wasn't worth it. And that's an interesting thing that you've said there because I have a feeling that's that's what's going to happen, right? There's There's really no no reason to even go to the game other than to do what to keep a record going of number of people who show up to a Bronco game. Like I would have, I would be surprised if the, the number of empty seats wasn't, uh, wasn't, you know, in the five digits. I I think that would be a good starting point. And I get it. I mean, it, it's still a great environment. We've been to numerous games over the years. I, I went to games at Old Mile High. It's it's an incredible atmosphere, and you, you want to be in and hang out with other Broncos fans, and you want to tailgate. And it, maybe we're just getting jaded, but I don't want to sit in the cold. I've sat in enough cold-weather games. So, I mean, we've, we went to some very fun cold-weather games. I mean, we... You know the the Raiders game that you wrote about was was chilly, as I recall. It wasn't cold, but it was chilly. Um, what was the wasn't it the was it the Colts? Remember when they lost to the Colts on the last second field goal? We yeah, were Jason Elam missed an extra point. Yes, which which you know that that game I actually remember my feet being my toes being frozen, just absolutely frozen at the end of the game. Well, it was a great game to watch right up until the end. 
what will make it interesting is is Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Yeah. Doing everything they can to torment Phillip Rivers. Because no matter how bad the Broncos are, seeing Phillip Rivers cry, can't see that enough. No, it's always fun to watch him get upset. I absolutely love that. And let's face it, there's still an outside chance that, that Bradley Chubb can sneak into that rookie sack record. Um, it's it would be a sneaky chub. It would be a sneaky chub, but it would be it would be fun to watch if he could make that happen at home in front of the fans. Uh, I mean, let's face it, there are some things to play for here, uh, but it's individual accolades that we're really looking at, and it's it's too bad that that's where we're at. But Bradley Chubb, if he can have a monster game, uh, if the if they can set the defense up to be uh, geared towards him getting those sacks, could still potentially get that rookie sack record. If he does get it and he gets it in the last game and he gets it in that fashion, that could be one of the things that solidifies him as one of the top one or two guys to get the defensive rookie of the year. If not, he's probably out of that conversation, um, even though he really deserves to be a part of it. Um, but that's what would help is to not have your two best pass rushers in coverage. Well, I'm, you know, I'm not the guy who does the scheming, but that would have been, uh, that w- that would have been something I would have I would have tried to avoid, right? Like Von Miller and Bradley Chubb shouldn't be in coverage. Find somebody else. You got safeties. Yeah. Joe Woods is trying to be Jack Del Rio. Yeah, he really is. He really is. Hmm. Uh, you know, that's I think you never want to. That's something you never want to be. Wanna, you never want to like, go full Jack of the River. I really think right up until the last in, until the last couple games. You could have made the argument for Joe Woods to remain as the defensive coordinator and try and figure out a way to bring in a head coach that would have wanted him to stay as the defensive coordinator. And then after that Raiders game, just the way that everything fell apart, I don't know that you could make that argument anymore. And why would you? Why not Why not just make a fresh start, I suppose, is, is the question there, right? Yeah, I, I think you totally need to move on. I mean, there's an argument to be made for some of the assistants sticking around. I mean, the wide receivers coach and his name escapes me right now, and I probably wouldn't be able to say it right anyway. But he he's done a phenomenal job with the receivers. The new running backs coach has done phenomenal, and of course, there's Bill Kolar. Right. And yeah. I don't I don't want to sack the guy who wrestled a bear. I I don't want to make that. I don't want that to be my job, I don't right? Want to make that. Yeah, he wrestled a bear. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. My uh, my wife went to high school with the uh, cornerbacks coach, Greg Williams. Um, so I guess it'd be nice if he stuck around just so that, you know, maybe I can get her to figure out a way to get me an end. <laughs> I don't know, get an interview or something. But even that's probably not. He probably needs to go. <laughs> but I, 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 my guess would be that the staff will be completely different come the next coaching staff. I, I mean... With Vance Joseph, John Elway pretty much had the assistants hired for him. So it was basically just, here are your assistants. Right. Go get them. I don't think that Elway is going to do that again with the next coach that he brings in. But it, it, it will be interesting. I mean, to me, the game on Sunday is just escape with no injuries which is what they've already not done because Philip Lindsay is now going to be out four to six months with a wrist injury that he's going to have to have surgery for, and we'll keep him out of the pro bowl. I'm with Christopher Hart though, who is a MHR staff member. Just 
put a club on it and let him play. It's a Pro Bowl. He can still do it with a club on his hand. He probably could. I mean, he still gets the accolade of being nominated to the Pro Bowl, so he doesn't even have to play. He could just show up and just you know stand on the sidelines. He doesn't even have to go out there. I would be fine with that as well. So that doesn't really matter. Um, all right, so let's get to let's do this. Let's do keys to the game just for fun. What was your? I'll give you mine. I'll start with mine, and then you give you give you give me yours. My key to the game um, was for John Elway and Joe Ellis and the front office guys to invent a time machine and go back in time and figure out a way to to stop themselves from hiring Vance Joseph as the head coach uh, and go in a different direction. Um, you know, maybe maybe they don't have to invent a time machine. It could be argued that somebody in the future has already invented a time machine and they might be here just checking things out, steal their time machine, whatever you can do to get back in time to fix that, even though that might change a lot of the outcomes of a lot of the games. Maybe that'll be for the better, and, and that would be fine as well. But uh, just figure out if they can do that, then they might have a shot at winning this game. Other than that, I don't think so. Well, how about this? Before I give you my key to the game, sure. if you have a time machine, would you rather them go back in time and not hire Vance Joseph, or would you rather them go back in time and they don't the Ravens don't complete that fourth and long pass. Or do you go back to nineteen ninety-six and Michael Dean Perry doesn't slack off the field and the Jaguars can slow down Mark Brunel and Keenan McCardell and Jimmy yeah. Stewart? How how far back do you go? And what do you change? That See, when you're messing with the space-time continuum, how much do you want to change? Because, you know, even if you killed a butterfly in Beijing, the flapping of the wings or something, and then, you know, like you're, when you travel back in time, they always say, don't change anything because it changes everything. Although, you get your alternate universe when you get back to what you think is your current real time right yeah although if we're, if we're to believe back to the future things work out in the end anyway so it doesn't matter well the the enchantment under the sea dance was was what made it that's right earth angel there it is so that being i don't know i can't answer that question i'd like to change all of those could i change them all why not sure just as long as biff tannen doesn't take the delorean and go back in time or go to to the future or go back in time before that <laughs> and give his confusing. book to the younger self. I plopped it out there and expected You did. It. Oh, my goodness. We just got into a, a time travel conversation. I apologize for that. I'll take the blame. That's that's on me. I will admit. So let, let's say we go back to 1985. Okay. And we run into Doc Brown. Yes. He was incensed in the movie in 1955 that ronald reagan was the president what oh. would he think about the current times well so if you went back to 1985 and told him that donald trump was currently president what would his reaction be he would say the real estate tycoon and he would make a joke about that sure um, just like he did reagan yeah like he's just like he did with reagan yeah the actor <laughs> that's a good that's a good, you know, it is kind of interesting to, to be able to sort of have that conversation. I'm not sure what his response would be. That might be a different podcast. And that might be politics. Which we, you know, this is a football podcast, everybody. Football podcast. Football. Back on track. Yes. My key to the game, 
is lock Vance Joseph in the hotel kitchen so he can't F the Broncos by winning this game. Yeah. Because it would be his it'd be in his nature to say, Yeah, well, before I go on to Cincinnati, I'm gonna win one last game and screw you guys in draft position. Yeah, that's I mean that's a that's a legit concern. It would be sort of his that would be his his opus right there, right? That would be his final uh, the the final act of a guy who this is exactly what he's done ever since he got here. It's find a way to screw the franchise, and in his final act of screwing the franchise, it's making their draft pick worse by actually winning a game. Uh, yeah, that's a, an interesting way to look at it. I'm not sure if that I'm not sure that the team would agree. They probably still want to win, just in general. Yeah, I, I think as athletes, you you want to win every game that you play. But if that's the case, then they would have looked like they wanted to do that on Monday night. Yeah, that just, I mean, not to not to go backwards, but watching that game was so infuriating. And I think some of my anger at that game was the fact that there were fans out there, many of them on Slack at Mile High Report, who were fine with them losing because they want the higher draft pick and there's no shot at the playoffs and, and that just drove me crazy because it's the Raiders and I, you know you get fired up for the Raiders and we talked about that on the last podcast about how beating the Raiders is the most important thing and they didn't beat the Raiders and there was history to be made there to beat the Raiders on their last on the last home game at, at in Oakland and they didn't take an oppor- take that opportunity and run with it that was disappointing I would I would tell you that I would have rather had that on the Broncos resume than a higher draft pick in the upcoming draft. I would rather be able to look back in history and say the Broncos won the last game at the Oakland Coliseum against the Raiders on Christmas Eve, Monday night football to send them out of Oakland than to say they picked ninth instead of 12th. Like, what does that do for me? Well, it's not just the history they could have made it was the history they could have prevented right they could have prevented being the first team since 1971 72 to lose back-to-back losing seasons they could have ensured that pat bowen kept that incredible statistic alive of playing in more super bowls than having losing seasons because now that they've had a losing season that goes away it's now seven and seven for both of them which is still pretty incredible but not as not as incredible i i don't want i don't know that we should short shrift him on that still seven and seven is unbelievable but i mean to be able to say it was more super bowls than losing seasons just it it sounds better right it rolls off the tongue a little nicer it's a more incredible statistic it's the most incredible statistic in sports and now that's gone away and for me, to me, that's the biggest disappointment is just the fact that we're even in this situation talking about this because it shouldn't be. And if Pat Bowen was still functional and he was still in a capacity to run the organization, it would not be in this situation. It would have never been in this situation. He would have had enough after the 2017 season. And to me, that's what the biggest disappointment in all of this is, is it just feels like another waste. Elway knew what was going to happen with Vance Joseph as the head coach. He knew what was going to happen with this team. And he just delayed the inevitable by not getting rid of him. 
And, and here we are yet again talking about a wasted season. And that just doesn't happen with the Broncos. It never happened with Pat Bowen. And now this is two years in a row where we're sitting here talking about, oh, well, who's the next head coach going to be? Who's the quarterback going to be? Because I, I'll say it right now, Case Keenum should not be the quarterback in 2019. They're going to do what they did with Vance Joseph. They'll give him one season too many. They know he's not the answer. And instead of trying to fix and solve the problem, they're just going to delay it. They're going to, as the cliche goes or adage goes, they're going to kick the can down the road, which is what they did with Vance Joseph after 2017. They kicked the can and they wasted another season. This is now three straight seasons of not being in the playoffs, two straight losing seasons. Just a thought here. Sorry, not to cut off your rant, but you, you mentioned something and it made me sort of, like, I, I had this idea in my head. If the Woody Page article that came out, was it two weeks ago now? Is that where we're at? I'm, time is just a blur at this point. Um, but the Woody Page article came out. Les Shapiro sort of confirmed a lot of it. Um, and the idea there really seemed to be that John Elway was ready to move on and had made a decision about moving on. And... Uh, whether you agree with uh, Mike Shanahan as the Broncos head coach or not, think that he should have been hired, doesn't really matter. It seemed to me, after reading that article, that John Elway had moved on from Vance Joseph, but was then told, you can either, you, you can either hire a new head coach that doesn't include Mike Shanahan in the mix, or you can stick with Vance Joseph and go get a new quarterback. Um, and that was... What, what he was told by the guy running the show and Joe Ellis. So it almost feels like he said, fine, we're going to stick with Vance Joseph and we'll just, we'll just burn it down. Not, not necessarily that Elway wanted to lose, but that he knew this was coming. And, and it happened. He knew it was going to happen, and it happened. And now he can kind of say, see, I told you so, and he can go out and hire the coach that he wants. Is that, is that even a possibility? I mean, he looked ready to murder Vance Joseph. And I hate to make that joke because everybody else made it when he put on those gloves in Oakland. But he looked ready to go down to the field and just throw him out of the Coliseum during that game. Does it seem like it's feasible that he sort of proved his point by the season being so bad and now he's going to be able to make his decision as far as who the next head coach is going to be? I can see that. As as you know, I spending over 10 years in newspapers, the thing that stood out to me about that whole Woody Page, Les Shapiro release of the Mike Shanahan news, it was more about the timing. Because that wasn't a coincidence. It was right. not a coincidence that that came out when it did, because they had that for over a year. They had that since last December. So why did that come out when it did? And I, I think you're starting with what you just said, you're starting to hint at it. It's Elway saying, I tried. I tried to put in an effort to prevent this. I tried. I did my part. I was told no. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't so, tell you. Yeah, that's I what I think. I can't tell you how different the season would have been or wouldn't have been. Who knows? But, I mean, it sounds like Kirk Cousins was on his way to Denver. Mike Shanahan was on the, on his way to, to being the head coach in Denver again. Uh, you know, the old getting the band back together sort of thing was, was about to happen. And for, for whatever reason, um, and not to rehash this, but just 
you know, for whatever reason, Joe Ellis stepped in and said no. And I, it just feels it feels like, and like you said, timing is important here. It feels like this season is a is a big middle finger, if you will, to Joe Ellis of this is this is yours. And that article sort of solidifies that because, as as a fan, as somebody who reads that, heading into this game against the Chargers, knowing it's totally totally meaningless. I point the finger at John Elway a little bit. I point the finger at Vance Joseph a lot. But to be honest, if you're really looking at it based on the reports and everything, it's hard not to be a fan and go, this is really this is really Joe Ellis's mess. He's the one who sort of did all this. And so now this last game of the season, which really had things gone well, would have been maybe to get into the playoffs or uh, something like that, is, is now instead going to be for nothing. That doesn't to me that doesn't fall on Elway's shoulders as heavily as it could have without that report. It's just a, it's just an interesting way to look at it, I suppose. And we've touched on this. This whole ownership mess is only getting started. Oh yeah. I mean, it, I mean it's it's barely even getting through the court system right now. It, I mean, it hasn't even gone before a judge. He hasn't even decided if he's going to hear Bill Bowen's complaint yet. And when that happens, Katie bar the door because there are some claims in the in the claim or there are some there are some claims in Bill Bowen's file that if it, it it's just it, it's not gonna be pretty. And we've we've touched on it that it's it's gonna be a fight, it's gonna be bare knuckled, and it's not gonna be pretty. But until the ownership mess gets figured out, until there is somebody at the top, tangible living, breathing, not a trust, where you you have to question whether or not their motives are for the Broncos or for the fans or if it's for the three people of the trust. Until that gets resolved, until there is an owner, it's hard to see how any of this is going to change because Joe Ellis is not going to hold himself accountable. There isn't anyone there to hold Joe Ellis accountable because he's not only the president and CEO de facto owner, he's the president of the trust. It's a great gig if you can get it. Yeah. How do I get that job? Cause I, I would love to not have to worry about whether or not I was good at my job. I kind of, so, you know, I do worry about whether or not I'm good. You have to. You have to. All right. Um, let's see. We did keys to the game. Any players to watch? I think we talked about, you know, Bradley Chubb and Von Miller and, and some of the history stuff. Maybe those are our defensive players to watch. Do you have anybody on offense you're going to watch? Well, I'll say one thing about history because we talked about Bradley Chubb being three sacks. If he gets his three sacks, he'll break the NFL rookie sack record currently held by Javon Curse. If Von Miller gets two sacks, he'll be the fourth fastest player to 100 sacks in NFL history. If the so, Broncos, I mean, if the Broncos get five, five sacks, sacks, yeah, if the Broncos get five sacks in this game, they're winning. That's just all there is to it. If there are five sacks in this game for the Denver Broncos, and the Denver Broncos have won this game, that's just that. There's no, I, I don't imagine any scenario where they lose a game where Von Miller and Bradley Chubb combine for five sacks. It's just not going to happen. I think when the Broncos are on offense, I'll flip it over to the uh, NFL Sunday ticket and watch the Chiefs and the Chargers. Well, you won't, I mean, for what, like 35, 40 seconds? It's three and out. Three and out punt, three and out punt, three and out punt. Maybe that's, 
the offensive player to watch here is is um, is the punter Wadman. See what kind of game he has in in uh, the mile high kicking in the rarefied air because that's I'm just going to venture a guess that he gets to kick the ball a lot. Well, the Chargers are going to be incredibly motivated. They're going to have a lot to play for, and especially now that the Chiefs and the Raiders are playing at the exact same time, they're going to want to win this game. Yes, they are. Yes, they, and the offensive line hasn't played well the last couple of games, um, which means Joey Bosa is, is going to be getting into the backfield. It means um, Mel, Melvin, in, Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram. I almost – for a second there, I thought I was talking about something else. Melvin Ingram, who will be getting in the... I mean, the, the the Chargers are going to be, like you said, very motivated. They are going to be flying around. They are going to have an opportunity to, you know, perhaps supplant the Chiefs as AFC West champs if things go their way. So uh, they're going to definitely be playing a lot harder than, than the Broncos will. I think that's just the only way to say it. Are there any games that you're looking forward to aside from uh, Chiefs Raiders game is, I mean, how do you not want to watch that game? As much as I hate both teams, um, that that's an old AFC West rivalry and it has playoff implications uh, for the Chiefs, especially. So yeah, I mean, that's one that I definitely want to pay attention to um, just, just because it's, it's an important game. And it also is, within the division, right? It's that division rivalry thing that they've got going on. Um, as far as like, because you know me, I'm, I'm sort of the, the traditionalist here. Those two games, the, you know, the chiefs and the, and the Raiders, that's a traditional game. Um, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking at the, the bears and the Vikings, uh, as being a very important game. The, at the bears, uh, you know, want to want to get a first round by. They need some help, but they have to win against the Vikings. Uh, so that would be that would be a, an interesting game to watch to see if the Bears can kind of get a win and then possibly slide into a, a first uh, a first round by somehow if things kind of go their way. Um, but if the Bears win that game, the Vikings are pretty much out of the playoffs. If the Eagles win, that's right. And so then there's implications there for the Vikings as well. So. There's a, there is a lot going on. And then you have Eagles at Redskins. You just talked about the Eagles. That's a NFC East matchup, kind of a traditional fun rivalry game there that's always fun to watch. you got Jets and Patriots. Uh, maybe the, the Jets can pull off a, a miracle and beat the Patriots just to make us all feel good. Just, just to make us all a little happy. As much as, you know. If the Texans beat the Jaguars in that scenario, then the, then the Patriots are the number three seed. I'd take that. And that would mean that they would either – the Patriots would, well, yeah, I still think the Patriots would probably be the three seed and they would end up playing more than likely the Ravens unless the Steelers lose the Ravens could potentially win the NFC or the AFC North. And then the Colts could slide, could slide in because they play the Titans. So whoever wins that game, if the Steelers lose, they would, they would slide into that number six seed. Right. Well, and that Browns Ravens game, that actually to me is intriguing. With Baker Mayfield playing quarterback and uh, Lamar Jackson playing quarterback, you got two um, rookie quarterbacks. Both of them have looked very good this year. Uh, and if you're a Broncos fan, which you probably are, if you're listening to this, um, make you they definitely make you jealous. Uh, and, and I'm one who 
would have been happy with Lamar Jackson uh, as a Bronco, as even after signing Case Keenum, because again, we talked about this a little bit before, Case Keenum is a bridge to nowhere because there is no rookie quarterback, and so why not Lamar Jackson? Well, it wasn't Lamar Jackson because the Ravens drafted him, um, and, and I get it. He, was, he wasn't available, but still, there's so many options out there. It's just kind of interesting to, to watch those two rookie quarterbacks go at it, I think, because of the success they've had. So here's the playoff scenarios. I, I had to look this up. So pretty much the only thing up for grabs in the NFC, if the Rams win, they get a home, they get a first round bye. Right. If the Bears lose, then the I, mean, I still believe the Rams get it. Yeah, that's how it works. The the only way the Bears get could get the first round bye that you mentioned is if they beat the Vikings and the Rams lose to the 49ers. Right. For Minnesota, there's two scenarios for them to get the last playoff berth. They beat the Chicago Bears or the Philadelphia Eagles lose to the Vi- or lose to the Redskins. And for the Eagles, they have to beat Washington and the Vikings have to lose. The AFC, it gets even more r- ridiculous. A little more the insane. Chiefs can finish anywhere from the one seed. And I think they could still finish at the as the five seed. So if the if the Chiefs win, they get the number one seed. Mm-hmm. If the Chargers lose, they they get the number one seed. If the Chargers lose and New England loses, or tie, or Houston and Houston loses, they get the number. Let's see. That's the third scenario. Oh, for home field advantage. So the Chargers lose, the, the the Patriots lose, and the Texans lose, or the Chargers lose, the Patriots lose. KC clinches at least a tie in strength of victory tiebreaker over Houston. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> That's just a lot. Well, and then you've got the Colts and the Titans who are both nine and six and who knows what's going to happen there. And then with the Steelers, with the, you know, sort of that eight, six and one, that weird eight, six and one record where they're still not quite eliminated and they've got to win. And then they need, they need help. And it's nuts what's going on in, in the AFC right now. There's actually a scenario where the Ravens win the NFC North and get a first round bye. And for that to happen, Baltimore has to to beat Cleveland, and New England has to lose, and Houston has to lose, and Indy or Tennessee does not end in a tie. <laughs> the second scenario for them to get for the Ravens to get the division title and a first round bye is Baltimore wins, and New England loses, and Houston lo- loses. And Baltimore clinches at least a tie in strength of victory tiebreaker over Houston. There's so too, for there's too much for the Ravens to win the AFC North, they have to win or Pittsburgh to lose. So if if the Ravens beat the Browns, they get the AFC North. Okay. For the Steelers to get the AFC North. 
the Steelers have to beat the Bengals and the Ravens have to lose. Which and is if they possible. want to get a play, if they want to get a playoff berth, so this is what it is for the Steelers. Pittsburgh has to win, and Indy Tennessee has to end in a tie. <laughs> I mean, watching, kind of trying to pay attention to all that and process all that. I'm glad somebody else is in charge. It, it's very confusing. So I, I think basically how it plays out, the most likely scenario that this is how it plays out is whoever wins between the Colts and the Titans is going to get the final playoff spot. Yeah. Because the only way for Pittsburgh to get it is for Pitt is for Pittsburgh to win and then have that Indianapolis Tennessee game end in a tie. That's not happening. So it, it looks like if it, if it, if I'm predicting how it's going to play out, Kansas City will be the one seed. New England will be the two seed. Houston will be the three. The Ravens will be the four. The Chargers will be the five. And I, I think the Colts are going to beat the Titans. So I think the Colts will be the six seed. Yeah, that sounds right. That definitely sounds right to me. So, all right, well. Hang on, I need to. My head's spinning a little bit with all those playoff scenarios. It's hard to keep up with all that stuff. So where are we at at this point? What are, what is there to look forward to? It's the end of the season. Kind of, what's next here for us? I think it's clearly how soon does John Elway and the organization move on from Vance Joseph, and then what are the names that start to surface shortly after? Because that's going to be what everyone is talking about throughout the course of the next couple of weeks and however long it takes for Elway to hire somebody and bring someone in. So it, let's, let's see how long it takes for them to move on after that game on New Year's Eve. I guess it would be the day before New Year's Eve on Sunday, how long it takes after the game to move on from Vance Joseph. And then the names that start to, to pop up and get rumored to the organization as the next head coach. All right. So we're heading into speculation season, as I suppose we could probably call it. Um, and, and we will be doing, I'm sure, just as much speculating as everybody else moving forward here. So. <sighs> we're on to speculation season. Or Cincinnati. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or... I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>